0: To the right hand, puts her down, he's gonna jump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to one warrior.
1: My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. Someone
0: 911, where's your emergency? Someone overdosed. What's the address?
1: I overdosed over ten times. I'm one of the lucky ones, and for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Luzzensky, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leavell, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. Able. Oh, yeah. I'm stable. Oh, yeah. You're no Oh, yeah. There right, you go. What's going on? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back. Episode number 54. I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. It's a beautiful day up here. It's out on the rollerblade today. got 50K in today. If you guys don't know, I'm training for Across Canada Rollerblade. Very exciting news coming down the pipe. Already we got True Hockey on board. They're pretty much powering everything that I'm doing. Shout out to everybody at True for their graciousness, kindness, and for believing me. You have to remember, not that long ago, my life was very, very, very dark. I hope that you guys can all just see that sometimes a little bit of hard work, some soul-searching, nothing is impossible. I'm telling you guys this. I thought I was down and out. I thought my life was over. I had given up. I took a chance. Thank you to everybody who supported me. I say this all the time, but without your guys' support, I wouldn't be where I am today. Thank you so, 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 so much. While we're on that topic, I want to give a special shout-out to my friends at Sonic down there in California. They're supplying me with all the bearings and cleaning products and everything I need for my rollerblades. It's over 7,000 kilometers, and I'm not kidding. The only bearings that I trust come from Sonic. These guys are incredible. They have the best products. If you want to check them out, check them out at Sonic Sports L.A., Or if you're in Canada, reach out to my friends at B Sharp Ottawa. Those are my guys. Those are the guys I go through. uh, And I really couldn't do it without them. I had the hat on earlier, but we got the sticker here. Thank you to Joe and Colin at B Sharp Ottawa. You can see new puck support shirts are in. We got some new hats. Got the summer colors going. Thank you to everyone who's ordered. I got a lot of work ahead of me over the next couple of days trying to get all the orders out so thank you guys remember there's a sale going on use the promo code never forget it's going to save you guys 15% off I'll tell you guys more about that at the end of the show as you guys can see behind me and if you're a avid watcher or listener of this show you guys know that on each episode I honor one of those that we've lost tragically in the hockey community and tonight is one that's very 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 close to my heart tonight we remember Quinton Van Horlick And I want to jump right into the show, but I I want to tell you guys a little story about Q. I first met Quentin when I first turned pro in the East Coast Hockey League with the Victoria Salmon Kings. We just lost out the Kelowna Rockets in Game 7. I didn't go travel with the team. Me and my dad hopped in the car in Seattle. We went back to Vancouver, took the very first ferry over the next day. And when I walked into that dressing room as a barely 20-year-old and nervous and had a lot of mental illness and stuff going on he was the very first person that i saw when i got to victoria and he took me to my apartment and just an incredible incredible guy and he held my daughter uh, a couple days later when she came because i had a daughter my last year junior and i just remember him saying wakey wakey eggs and bakey to brooklyn and i'll never forget that and if you fast forward I guess three years, the very, very, very first time I ever went to treatment, okay? it's This is a true story. The very first time I went to treatment in Maple Ridge, I walked through the doors and who was the first person I saw? It was Quentin Van Horlick and he ran and he gave me a hug. We went to treatment together. He was my coach. And in 2015, he tragically took his own life. He was an absolute warrior on the ice. He was an unbelievable coach, an even better guy, and somebody that I think about a lot. So tonight we remember Quentin Van Horlick thinking about his family. And uh, it was one of the ones that really shocked me because I I didn't know until a number of years after it happened. So rest in paradise, buddy. I love you. I miss you. we will get to get to one sponsor, and we're going to be right back with Ryan VandenBush. Thank you to Regan Bartel, Jesse Paradise, everybody at Team Issued. Hello to Regan and Kelowna. Thank you, man. I appreciate all the support, uh, and I'm your biggest fan. You guys know how this goes. We'll see you here in a few minutes. Well, here we go, and this one I've been waiting for for over a year. Here we go. We're going to have another one.
0: We have Ty Domi, and we have Ryan Vandenbush. We've got a fight. White Delac, and I think it's Ryan Vandenbush.
1: For about the past year, I've been going back and forth with former NHL enforcer, Ryan Vandenbush. Bushy was always one of my favorite players because he's one of the very few NHL players that I actually got to meet and the only NHL player to ever give me a stick when I was a child. When I was about 12 years old, my dad came to the school and pulled me out early because he got a call from my old personal coach and friend, a guy by the name of Danny Cassidy, somebody that I looked up to immensely as a kid. He told my dad that he had a friend in town who played for the Chicago Blackhawks and was wondering if we'd like to attend the team practice. Well, it was a no-brainer. It was myself, my dad, and Danny. We were the only ones in the stands in what is now recognized as Rogers Arena in Vancouver. It also happened to be the one time that I got to see Bob Probert live. After the practice was over, Bushy called us down to the bench, and without hesitation, he pulled out one of his old wooden Nike sticks and asked the trainer for a Sharpie, and he signed it and gave it to me. It's a moment that I've never, ever forgotten. And because of his kind gesture that day, Ryan VandenBush, always without fail, earned a spot on my roster on NHL The Video Game. Bush is originally from Simcoe County and was drafted to the Ontario Hockey League in the 1990 priority selection draft in the 14th round, 218th overall by the Cornwall Royals. Bushy would make the jump to the OHL playing for the Royals for two seasons before the team moved to Newmarket and then he moved on to Guelph, but in 1992 he was selected by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 1992 NHL entry draft in the 8th round, 173rd overall. From 1993 to 1997, he played in the American League, literally fighting every step of the way, finally earning a spot with the New York Rangers during the 1996-97 season. Vandenbush played pro hockey for 14 seasons, mostly splitting time between the NHL and the American Hockey League, primarily with the Chicago Blackhawks. During his time in the American Hockey League and the NHL, Ryan Vandenbush was known as one of the toughest pound-for-pound fighters in the league. This is a subject that we've covered often on Hockey to Helen and Back, and in so many cases, there becomes underlying issues with what that all entails. During his time in pro hockey, he became dependent on opiate painkillers, and by the time of his retirement, he suffered somewhere in the vicinity of 20 concussions and over 12 surgeries. Following his retirement, Vandenbush moved into real estate while battling his addiction until finally something changed he felt like he was gonna die and he knew that there had to be another solution enter plant medicines primarily cbd it's been a game changer for so many athletes and especially hockey players and bushy is one of them at the forefront of this entire movement he started to do his research And that was in 2009. By 2011, he was completely off the opiates and well on his way to a journey of recovery. The plant medicines had such an impact on his life that he even started to grow his own medicine. And in 2017, he purchased a 31,500 acre lot in Norfolk County, Ontario to launch his company, New Leaf. The transition from hockey can be so difficult for so many of us and it's really nice to see somebody not only get through it, but do something about it. And I can't wait to hear it from Bushy, so let's do it. Let's bring him in. One of my childhood idols, and a man I truly, truly look up to. I'd like to introduce you guys to Ryan Vandenbush.
0: Big left by Vandenbush put down Stewie.
2: Quite the uh, intro. Holy cow! Thanks, Brady. That's uh, you got quite the story, huh? Yeah. uh, Yeah. It certainly is nice
1: to see you again. It's been a while. (laughs) I think I was was like uh, 11 years old the last time I actually (laughs) saw you. So yeah, I guess a bit a bit has changed. You look the same though. I'll be honest. Oh, right on. That's very maybe a couple less black eyes, but
2: uh, you look about the same. No marks on the face. I didn't go. I don't think I went a week without a mark on my face during the season
1: yeah well i got i got a couple there's there's a good look there's a good look there at you with a couple of shiners there i mean um you there's no question about it bushy you were uh you were an absolute warrior out there and uh, um put yourself on the the line night after night to try to you know live out this dream and and which you did and um i'm sure you have a ton of great memories uh but i know that there were some struggles as well but i uh, from my research and from the the times that we've spoken and, and others that I've spoken to, it seems like you're doing very, very well these days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, first thing I want to say is there is a bit of a pause. So sometimes I miss you. Um, uh, and I, I, it gets a little bit of pause. So I'll just let you know that. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I got you good. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey, you know, from the time that I left home when I was 17, living in, uh, Delhi, Ontario, and to, uh, you know, coming back home again, I don't know, 18 years later, I guess when I was 34, um and then uh, yeah the transition was a very i wouldn't say it was an easy transition for me it was a little unorthodox but it worked <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh
2: hey you're doing some rollerblading across the country when are you starting that
1: uh may 28 2022 is the start date so next spring i was listen i was off skates and not just skates but i was literally sitting on my ass for the last 10 years doing nothing and uh, i need at least a year to train so may 28 2022 we start in newfoundland with terry ryan's gonna skate nice New- terry ryan's gonna skate newfoundland with me and uh we'll carry on through and and hopefully some others will join along the way i i know that uh, there's quite a few people that want to get involved so so where are you coming through in ontario uh i'm i'm actually going up through ottawa like the ottawa area above the top which uh, i mean i here's the thing though is like we want to uh, obviously, if we can, get to the Probert ride uh, because Danny's uh, invited me uh, to go there, and and actually, on when she was on my podcast, she told me that if I get my license for a year, I can actually ride bob's harley in the, the memorial ride so I'm, mm. I'm working on on getting that but i know that you have close ties to to the family as well and, and to the ride so we're hoping that we can at least take a day possibly and, and come down and, and just hang out and, and see what it's all about and, and pay our respects so but yeah we're going to be going up above uh the ottawa area through north bay and and up there oh that's awesome good stuff hey i don't
2: know what's going on seems to tune up my can you hear me
1: okay? Yeah, chewing up your battery pretty good, eh? There,
2: I got to plug it in. Yeah, so <laughs> no more earphones.
1: That's all right. All good. Lost you for a second, but you'll be back. There you are. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, if you don't mind, like, you know, I, I'm really curious uh, as to, you know, the, the journey, obviously, through Junior and then into Pro, and, Um, I know that you you struggled a little bit um, with painkillers, like so many of us have. And can you hear me? I can hear you, no problem. Okay, good. You struggle with painkillers, like so many of us have, and and some, unfortunately, have lost their lives, but I'm just curious as to, like, you know, when... Did you have any sign of, you know, addiction issues or drinking or anything like through junior into pro or or was it just primarily because you were in so much pain and trying to just get it? Hey, take this, get out there and play type deal.
2: Yeah, you know, so I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the 90s and with regards to hockey is concerned. I played junior in 1990. And so, you know, when you're 17 years old, you, you know, you you're you're drinking already before you get there. So alcohol was always a, a big part of. Um, my life back in the day um i guess you could say and, and throughout my whole hockey career to be honest with you it's just you know you, you trained hard you you worked hard and you drank hard you know play hard work hard um that was kind of the the mentality it's it's not a very uh smart one i guess if you can look back and you know the, the way i treated my body throughout my professional hockey career was well it's not how you should treat your body if you're a professional right um, the what i put into my body just is to be heavy, you know, like right now, I'm probably 180, 185 at best. And, you know, when I was playing, I was as heavy as 200, and it was hard as hell. And I would just yeah. put anything in my body, any sugar, a lot of carbs, all that kind of bad stuff. And, but you're working it off. um Alcohol, it was, just, you, you put as much in your body as you can take. And 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 that's just the way it was back then. And if it made you feel better, that's, that's what you did. And then, you know, you introduce, you know, there's a lot of injuries going on, as you know, and, um unfortunately you know cannabis was was illegal and and I, nobody really knew the healing properties in the plant at the time yeah. so you kind of get introduced to other alternatives synthetic alternatives and you know that's when you start taking the anti-inflammatories because of the inflammation and the doctor says you make sure you know when you leave the arena you make sure you get a bite to eat and take your anti-inflammatory well you know we're young and dumb and you would go out and start drinking first and and then remember to take the anti-inflammatory before you go to bed and wake up in the morning and wonder why you got a fucking sore stomach, you know, (laughs) like it's just So, and then Percocets and all the painkillers and all that kind of stuff kind of, you know, get in there as well. So, uh, leaving the game, it was, um, you know, just, you know, telling you my history of, you know, I don't care what you ask me. I'm not, I don't, I I can talk about anything. It's just, you know, it it, it made me feel good. So I was introduced to a Percocet out for dinner after a game and if you take it with a beer, it just it just makes it even feel better. So you feel indestructible and you're already young and you don't have kids and you're playing in the NHL, you already feel indestructible. So now you're taking a synthetic drug and and alcohol and you're feeling indestructible so, and you live that lifestyle until they tell you, you can't play anymore, basically, because that's you play as long as you can. We're always told that, right? Yeah, as long as you can. And, and I love the game. And uh, that's what I did. And and unfortunately, it has those consequences. So it's people like you and and me and other advocates that need to speak the the truth. And, 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 you know, just hockey is a wonderful game. It's fucking gaming. Everything that I have right now, like if it wasn't for hockey, I would probably, Jesus, I don't know if I'd be, like, you got quite the story. And and that doesn't um, surprise me. Like, there's just so many stories that are crazy. And now my phone's doing something different. (laughs) I don't know what the hell's going on here. (laughs) You try and wipe on. Okay, um, so leaving the game, I, I was dependent on opioids. It was just helped the pain. And then uh, a friend introduced me to to medical marijuana a couple of years after I retired. And um, I tell you one thing: I, I until I started doing my own research on the plant, I, I just didn't believe you know what this plant was all about and the history of it. And you go, you peel off the layers, of you know, onions off of it, and it's just like, whoa! There, there's a lot of history in that plant. And I just got obsessed with you know looking at documentaries. There's a good documentary by Adam Scorgi. I think he lives out west in your neck of the woods. At,
1: uh, Adam's uh I'm, I'm in Muskoke, but Adam's been on the show. I was actually he's been on the podcast. He's a friend of mine. I was on the phone with him the other day. Um how high? Is that the one you're talking about? Or the other well, one? It's
2: called the Union, the, the union, the business. Oh, the un- the
1: union, the union, yeah, yeah. With Joe Rogan. The union. Joe Rogan's in that one.
2: Joe Rogan's on it, exactly. Yeah. So like I, I thought he did a wonderful job with those in ten. I just been thinking, what the hell? And and then, you like healing, and then just how I felt, and the sleep was getting better, and all that kind of stuff. So, anyways, that's how I got into um, plant based medicines. And then here we are today.
1: It's crazy. And it's one of those things where you probably never expected, um, you know, to ever be uh, probably you know a huge part of your life never mind you've developed you know a business off of it as well and and not just that but to to educate others not just in hockey but outside of hockey to try to because there's a certain stigma around these plant medicines and you know I'll tell you and people that have followed my podcast know from day 1 that you know I was using cannabis to get off Get off all of the hard drugs. I was very open about it and honest about it. And to this day, I still don't think I would have been able to do it without it. And, you know, since over the last couple of months, I've kind of uh, dialed it back and just tried to, you know, I mean, in, more into the microdosing right now and things that that's my, uh, that's my way now. Um, but CBD is, you know, when I had, it was a huge part of my life. It looks like we lost Ryan for a second, but, um, no issues there. We're, this is, uh, this is commonplace on hockey to hell and back now. Uh, hopefully we can get him back. Maybe his phone died. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Ryan, uh, basically, uh, in 2009 was introduced, uh, to plant medicines, uh, and he was highly dependent on opiates. And by 2011, uh, he was free and clear off the opiates, which, you know, is no small feat. It's, it's absolutely, um, it, it's the hardest thing um, that anybody will ever have to go through, in my opinion, is, is trying to get off opiate painkillers. is it, it was the toughest battle of my entire life um, without question. Uh, it took everything from me. Uh, hopefully we can get Ryan back here. He's back he's backstage he's gonna come back um, we'll take it to a sponsor real quick and hopefully we can get back and uh, get this get this rocking
0: hockey to hell and back is brought to you by performance wellness the collaboration between first star therapy and mindframe brings a flexible holistic program to athletes the goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow firststar on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframe fit on Instagram.
1: I mean, I want to take it back a little bit and, and just, I, I'm curious as to how you were, like night before games and, and things like that, knowing maybe that you had to fight or being called up, knowing that that was your job to have to fight maybe at center ice and drop your gloves, drop your, your helmet and, uh, and, and go at it with somebody, whether it be Ty Domi or Stu Grimson or, you know, all these guys, it wasn't like you were just fighting, you know, nobodies. you're fighting the, the heavies and you were one of the, the toughest pound for pound guys in the league. I'm just curious as to what your mental health state was like back then. Was it just, Okay. All right. I think I think we got him back. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hey, there he (laughs) is. We got him on a landline. That's (laughs) what happens. You buy buy a big farm. Are you living on that big farm too? Jesus.
3: Murphy, that's like pulling teeth almost. Uh no, yeah. I I don't know. I'm not sure what happened there. Well, I no can,
1: I got you loud and clear now, buddy. Um, I'm on a landline, so you hopefully you do. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> hey, if it fails on the landline, oh, cool. we'll, we'll we'll. I don't know what what that's what the next option is, but uh, just quickly before we move forward, uh, Will McIntyre. We did a giveaway while you were gone. Will McIntyre got the correct answer. Mitch Fadden. Will I will send you a hat. Um, good job, Will. And we had lots of others get the same answer, but he um, was the first one third time's a charm someone's saying in the comments <clears throat> my question for you bushy was you know you you've heard... i did hear
3: your question okay what was it like what and then i when i spoke i i just there's nothing so the question was how did i feel the night before games yeah. fighting yeah. basically right yeah so yeah um well <laughs> some night some afternoons or evenings the night before were some a little tougher than others uh but for the most part for the most part, I didn't put a whole lot of pressure on myself because of the fact, well, I learned not to do that by reading these mental toughness books when I was younger. Yeah. I had a roommate in junior, who's a goalie, Rob Dykeman, uh, former uh, president of Excalibur Crossbow, and he gave me a book, Mental Toughness uh, for Sports, uh, by James E. Lohr, and I, I treated that book like my Bible. So whenever I felt like I was losing confidence, I would go back to that book and I would read it and I would highlight areas of it. And it, I felt like it gave me a good foundation for, for being mentally tough because I wasn't a big guy fighting a lot of these dudes. Right. Yeah. And, um, but it was, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like in, in Edmonton, I, I remember like night before games, like I got a guy like George Rock sit on the bench for the first period and a half and go out and possibly fight. That's not fun. So I'm not going to say I wasn't scared. I mean, but I, I, the way my my mentality was like, okay, well, most of the guys I'm fighting, I'm I'm smaller than anyway. So if I lose, well, I'm supposed to lose, and if I tie, well, then I like, I feel like I got the edge because I was smaller. And then if I won, well, then I just look like a hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kind of my mentality, and it, it kind of helped me get through that part of the game because it, it, it was a mental fuck. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and so. and did you did you like? What like did you lose sleep over it ever, or was it just part of the job? And and did you? I know you said it wasn't fun, but did you enjoy playing hockey, knowing that you had to go out there and and, and fight? Like was it something that you took pride in? Was it fun for you? Were there nights where you're like, man, I just want to do this, but I have to? Like,
3: well, of course, I took pride in it because if you, if you don't take pride in anything, you're not going to be any good at it, right? That's so right. I, I took pride in it. Um, I, I didn't want to get my ass kicked in front of, you know, whether it be one person or, you know, 21,000 people, whatever. Um, so, uh, it, it, um, did I like it? Uh, I, I grew up, I grew up fighting basically. See, I I have an older brother that was 16 (laughs) months older than me. And, um, my parents were separated when I was like 10 years old and, pretty much from that on it seemed like well we fought a lot of even when my parents were together and he was like i said 16 months older than me but when you know pre, pre-puberty pre um <laughs> it's a big difference and so i I took a i learned how to take a beating pretty early and i finally you know about 14 years old 15 um got a little bit bigger than him and, and started turning around so it, it <laughs> It was uh it was it was it was a fighting childhood basically. And then, you know, you work with you. I worked in the tobacco field around southern Ontario where I'm from and and you know, you work with a, a gang of people and you're out in the fields. and after our you know, working in the field all day priming tobacco, what would we do? We'd play buckets and gloves. You know, like after all day working in the field. Just You know, crazy shit like that. So, it was. It was. I felt like it was in my blood. And and then, you know, hockey was an outlet for me. I really believe that um, uh, hockey just provided so much direction and 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 um, a routine and a channel that you can go out and you know disperse your energy in a a positive manner. And and then that's kind of you know, I was always an aggressive, good skater type of player. And then when I reached junior. I was no different. I just always played the same way. And when you're playing against older guys, um, they tend to not like it when you finish a check on type thing. Or anybody doesn't like that. And then they want to, you know, fight you. And then I didn't really back down. So that's kind of how I how started in, in junior B. And then, um, you know, it turned into a, a role. Like I never, in a million years, thought I would play major junior A. You know, I had someone pretty close to me telling me, you know, when I was practicing, what do you think you're going to do? do? You think you're going to play in the NHL? You know all that kind of stuff and try and beat you down, but it's that yeah, it, that that person actually helped me because it made me hungry, right? No doubt. And um, so it's it's a, it was an interesting ride. And did I ever think I was going to be a fighter? No, um, but I knew I could take care of myself and I played my game. Was and and I did. I didn't back down and kind of landed me a a, a roll, I guess you could say. I'll never forget playing junior though. Like junior, like you're you're making what, thirty five dollars every two weeks or I was back in the nineties. But <laughs> I don't think it was much different when you're playing junior. What were you guys getting paid back then? Oh
1: man, I think as a sixteen year old you're seventy five. As a nineteen you might get a hundred and twenty every two weeks. It's not much like, you know.
3: Right. So like w- when I was playing major junior right, and I'm thinking, this is the best. I like, got I just it was so fun and everything and then I couldn't I've been getting drafted and then I'll never forget my first year of pro. Signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs with a two-way contract, two fifty over thirty five thousand dollars. And when I went to the Miners in St. John's, Newfoundland, awesome place, um, I, I was getting paid to play the game of hockey. And I remember get, getting my first check, and I was like, "Wow! I thought I won the jackpot!" You know, and some other guys were like, you know, bitching because their check was late. You know, sometimes they didn't get it right away. And I, the first year is just like, wow, this is amazing. But at the end of the year and then into your second year, you're like, okay, I get it now. It, it's a real job. It's, it's not, uh, you can't do this for pennies. You gotta actually, it, it, it's crazy. Um, but it, it was a it was a hell of an experience and, and they're, they're really good at dangling the carrot right for you. But Chase and, uh,
1: yeah. What What was it like when you, you you moved on to the Rangers? That's where you played your first game with the Rangers. Like, what what was that experience like? You were there with Messier and and, and a couple other guys there that, that are just legends. And you know, what was that experience like? And how was your mentality going into there? Like, did you fe- feel like okay, like I belong here, or were you did you have some self doubt?
3: Um. I had some good guidance. Uh, My father was was very instrumental in in helping me out and giving me good guidance. Um, So to back it up a little bit, so I spent two years in a Toronto, or three years in Toronto organization, and two years in a minors in St. John's, Newfoundland. And then after my, during my second year, so that would have been the last time the Leafs uh, went past the first round, which was 93, 94, or was it 94, yeah. 90, 94, I think it was. And so that was my last year in the league. And then that's when Kenny Baumgartner and Warren Reichel were the tough guys then. Yep. And then, and then uh, in the minors, we had Kenny Belanger and Frank the Animal Lois who was my roommate that year. Great, great guys. They were both injured as well. And, and I was playing pretty good at the time. And Bill Waters was the assistant GM at the time. And he, and he called me up and he said, Ryan, you know, you're playing really well. Keep it going. And you're going to get called up. And then I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I never thought a million years. Like, I thought the NHL was way too far off. I didn't think I'd ever belong. You know what I mean? But until you get to the American hockey, you realize how close you are. But even then, my first two years of mine, I never thought I was going to until I got that phone call. Two weeks later, I got a phone call from Bill Waters again. "Uh, Ryan, you're not getting called up. Uh, Cliff Fletcher thinks you're too small to be a tough guy in the NHL. (laughs)
1: Especially (laughs) back then, right? Like back then. Right. That's
3: when everybody wanted the big guys, right? They're, They're not six foot two. Or, you know, so, so then, um, uh, so I finished the season off and then, you know, end of the year meetings, fly back into Toronto and have, uh, I had my end of the year meeting with Bill Waters, assistant GM. And, um, my dad said to me before that, I'll never, I'll never forget his advice. And this is where I really love this advice. And anyone who's listening to this with a young kid should, just well, ask them. I said, ask them what the plans are for you. I mean, obviously, they had an opportunity to call you up, and they didn't. So, like, to see if you can get it out of them, because they wanted to resign me. They, I, back then, they only had to give me a ten percent increase, right? And then I had my rights. I was, a, I was a restricted free agent. So, anyways, I went there and, and um, I, I, I asked them that, and they wanted to resign me. percent and I said, well, can I get my release? So I asked them what their plans were for me, and they told me, they, no, you know, you're paid for the minors. And I said, Well thank you. I uh, I but I would like to get my release. And then they they were nice enough to give me my release and that's my sign with the, the the Rangers. Okay. And then uh, my third year in Binghamton upstate New York. You remember a guy by the name of Eric Cairns?
1: Of course. Cairns is yeah. huge, yeah.
3: Yeah, big man. So he he there he was there with the New York guys organization and Darren Langdon was there, awesome guy. And so we were I was that I wasn't expecting to make that team, so I went to training camp that year. And you know, going to training camp with you know a bunch of Hall of Famers—Wayne Gretzky and yeah. Mark Messier and and Brian Leach, and Adam Graves, and Richter—and it was like, okay, this is pretty neat to get sent down to the minors. And then my third year, I was like, I'm seeing other guys get called up, and I'm like, why the fuck? Like, you know, I, I realized I think I could skate with these guys. I'm not sure why I'm not like getting a chance. Why didn't? hit the bullet and I, I finally got an opportunity my fourth year in the minors. And when I got there to answer your question that I think I deserved, I feel like I was frigging doing everything in my power to get there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fighting everyone. So when I got there, I, I wanted to stay but, you know, I was a little nervous was like like I was more nervous in practice than I was in games. Yeah. I'd only play about two minutes a game if I was lucky to even get that in practice. <laughs> you're on the ice all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I was afraid to miss a pass. Yeah. Like, holy cow. I know the feeling. But Oh, it was terrible. And uh I'll never forget my first game. I remember being in Buffalo and uh well I was actually I was out of the east and I flew into New York we were playing against the Islanders and it just got me into the rink of time, but I didn't play that game but I got to dress for warm up and the first person I saw when I walked into the uh Madison Square Gardens was uh Wayne Gretzky. Wow. And uh and nobody knows where I'm from, my hometown, right? Yeah. I and mean, Wayne Gretzky's from Brantford, which my hometown is Delhi, which is like an hour, half hour south. And uh, he says, "Well, I am it's Nice to meet you. How's Delhi doing?" <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and I thought that was really, really cool to say that to bring to my hometown. So uh, that was kind of neat. And then, yeah, so that was my experience meeting the great one. And then uh, the following day we played in Buffalo and that's when I got to play against the Buffalo Sabres. And wow. I walked down, I walked down into the, uh, the breakfast area for for breakfast and then Wayne Gretzky was sitting there and he called me over for, for breakfast. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was so nervous again and had breakfast with him and then went out to pregame skate. And then I'll never forget that afternoon nap talking about, you know, um, anxiousness, and uh, there was a bit of excitedness too. Of course, there was excitement. But you know, I'm going to play my first game in the NHL with these Hall of Famers, and I got Rob Ray on the other yeah. on the other team, and um, and then Matthew Barnaby was out there. And I had experiences with Matthew Barnaby in the, in the minors, and um, I knew he wouldn't drop the gloves, so I knew I who I had to go after. And and then, yeah, I played a couple shifts and. Rob and I almost went at it, but we never did go at it. And, uh, I was too afraid to drop my gloves first and then have skate away, I, like, like Barnaby did in a minor. So we were both dangling our gloves <laughs> and then the rest just came in and just pushed away. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, it was quite the road. And, um but there's a there's a lot of stories to be told and a lot of lessons to be learned, you know, throughout you know the, the minors to from junior minor hockey to to the juniors to, to minor to minor pro to the NHL. Like there's a there's a lot of lessons learned along the way and they they got to be shared. So I love what you're doing. I think it's amazing that you you can share your experience and get other people to talk as well so kudos well, to you
1: i i appreciate those stories and you know i i love to hear um you know i'm sure people always ask you about about gretz uh, all the time but you know for i know there's a couple young kids listening like younger teenagers that are listening right now because they're commenting and stuff uh shout out to case and bites um if he's still watching but i mean these are these are the things right like here you have the best player arguably ever and especially at that time um and you know he he comes up to you and he's he's done his you know his research or whatever he knows where you're from and he has breakfast with you and like that is what a great leader does and it doesn't just have to happen in the nhl like you could start to be that way you know uh, in you know Midget or Banham or whatever, like, you know, make, you know, if you're the best player on the team or one of the best, like, don't make those guys that are, you know, on the lower end, don't make them feel any worse than they already are like making like like I did like you did make it try to make not screw up passes and stuff like try to make them feel part of right and not only is it good for that individual but it's great for the team right and I think that's why totally that's why I think Gretzky had so much success pretty much everywhere he went is because he made everybody else better not necessarily on the ice but just you know in in their own minds and and making them feel like part of and I had Jim Thompson on the show and he said you know he played with him in Los Angeles and same thing he treated everybody the same didn't matter if you were the best player in the team or the the fourth line guy or somebody who was a healthy scratch it didn't matter um you treated everybody the same it's uh it's a it's a very valuable lesson and something that i wish i would have you know tuned into more as a kid to just try to be that way um you know but not uh, hard to be kind eh? no it's not at all and, 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 a, and, a, and a little head nod or
3: like some of the times you get those coaches that are you walk by in the hallway and they would just they would they wouldn't even look at you to say yeah. hi. It's like hard to say fucking hi, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> right. I know. Man. I
1: talk. I, we've talked about this on my show all like frequently with other guys. Like, and, and we ask, like, I've asked, I started to ask this question to people that come on my show. And my guess is like, how many, you know, coaches or GMs have you had? And and maybe it's different for you, but I mean, these guys that played major junior minor pro, it's like how many GMs or coaches that you played for have called you years later and said, Hey, how you doing? Like, you know, like how are Mm -hmm. you like do you have much of that happen in your life yeah
3: uh, no absolutely not
1: (laughs) right and think about all the blood sweat and tears that you poured out uh literally for for these organizations and that's a thing like you know they weren't even saying hi to us in the dressing room it was like this coaching by fear mentality and you get nowhere like i really don't think you get Anywhere near the results you do, if you start to actually be cohesive with your team, and I mean, there's a fine line, I think, between being a friend and a coach, but you could certainly be both in in different capacities, right, and and what that It just it can make a huge, huge effect. I, I got a comment coming in that I that I want to get to. Uh, Danny Cassidy is watching. Uh, oh, right on! <laughs> yeah, all the all the way from the Philippines. Oh, uh, Yeah, he's, he's he's an actor now. He works on movies and stuff. he's doing that over in the Philippines now? So shout out to Danny. I know the the intro was was very quiet. I think I had two of them playing at the same time. I'm going to have to clip it later for, for the people listening on audio. They'll never know the difference. But, you know, I did talk about it in the intro. And uh, Danny was, uh, for people that didn't hear it, if you're watching live and it was too quiet or whatever, Danny was my personal coach as a kid. And he pulled me out of school uh, when I was uh, 11 or 12 years old to go to the Chicago Blackhawks practice. And I got to meet uh, Ryan in person and uh, Bushy actually he gave me a stick and my dad still got it in his storage locker uh, oh, right back, back in Vancouver. And it was one that I never used for street hockey. Like I almost did a couple times, but I was like, no, I can't use it because I didn't have any sticks and I'm right-handed too. So it's like, but I never did. But I really, I just want to let you know that like you were the only NHL player that, ever gave me a stick as a kid and that's something that you know i would never ever ever forget those are the moments as a kid that you never forget and i don't know if you heard in the intro but because of that, you—I instantly became a huge fan. Obviously, you know, I'm a young boy, and 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 the, oh. the NHL video games—you were always on my team. I always traded for you, or or made sure you're on my team, and I always put you like try to get you on the first line with all the good players. Get yeah. you I'm like yeah, you know, yeah. Like honestly, that's like <laughs> no, that's, that's what funny. I did, man. That's what I did, and no, that's nice. so, so that's awesome. things like that, you know, I'll never i'll never forget um you
3: know what you know what I, I do remember that actually i do remember danny uh being at the, the practice in vancouver and i remember and his takeover um but yeah that's about as much as i remember uh, that's neat i'm glad it was you
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's crazy right and and here we are all these years later it's like 20 probably 22 years ago or, or something and uh i know i think. Uh, Doug Gilmore was on the team then. Tony Amante was definitely on the team. Pro yeah. Proby, oh, yeah. Proby was there. There was the only time Proby, I, yeah. that was the only time I ever got to see uh, Probert live too and um were you guys you guys were fairly close, eh?
3: We were roommates for for the seven years that we played together. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to, to know each other pretty good. And um yeah, you know, I was watching uh see firsthand, you know, what what alcohol and and you know, does to someone, and he probably was an amazing person. And he's a positive guy, and he was a very easy roommate, and and uh, he was an awesome father. Even more importantly, he was he was a he was a great great daddy.
1: Yeah, he's missed absolutely, yeah. absolutely. is I know, he just uh, celebrated his heavenly birthday, and I I, sh- I texted Danny and and Tyranny, uh the other day, and uh, I know they were eating all his favorite foods and stuff, so. Um, yeah. you know, that that's a relationship with that family with Jack with Declan with all of that I've you know that I really cherish like I'm grateful for their their support with what I'm doing um and and being able to you know kind of lean on lean on Danny for different things cuz she obviously knows a lot Um, about the hockey community and and different things and so when she sees something I'm doing or if I'm talking to somebody or I've said something she's like hey she'll like message me like hey you know I don't want to tell you what to do but be careful with this guy or this guy you know and and actually share some information because otherwise I, I don't know right and and I'm just appreciative of that and yeah just such a such a tragic loss and um there's i don't know if you saw it, but there's a picture of him behind me in sharpie that somebody drew for me and that's a copy and i was able to send uh the original to the family and and uh, oh, nice. yeah i'd hopefully get down to the to the probert memorial ride is that something you go to I'll, i know that it, it to- is yeah I, I i think
3: i missed one year i um yeah so
1: it's uh yeah yeah so i'm I'm, we'll have to actually connect hopefully we can connect down there when it happens again i know it's cancelled this year but something i'm looking forward to as well and um yeah man i i want to kind of circle back for a sec just to uh you know what you're doing now um because i think it's really important you know you have uh new leaf cannabis is it new leaf cannabis Mm, well it's more so, yeah, New Leaf Canada, Canada. not cannabis, Canada. But New
3: Leaf Canada, which is a, um, um, a parent company to Serenity, which is our Ontario-based company that's you know, producing alternative natural treatments for trauma and mental health and well-being uh, with a focus on, like, you know, uh, psilocybin, functional mushrooms, like brain health, right? Yeah. I think it's so important that, you know, as we all age and, We've all had our trauma and share of traumatic experiences throughout our lives, in the time that we were brought into this world. That we need other options. It's a bit of a shit show um, going on, and I, I, I'm sure that you know the pandemic is not helping matters. But um, it's something that I'm very passionate about. You know, I don't I don't want my brain to go before my body. Is how I kind of feel, and I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way. And I think that. I'm so happy that people can talk about mental health and, um, it's something that can be trained, I think, you know, like to, just to talk about it and it's not, it's not a destigmatize it type of thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So Serenity is, is a, is a wholly owned subsidiary of New Leaf Canada and that, and that's a company that I founded. And so, yeah, we just want to provide natural alternatives for, for, people that might be suffering
1: It's uh it's pretty awesome because you know i was like i said pretty uh i relied on cannabis early in my recovery to kind of get me through because i mean you have to remember i was severely addicted for over a decade you know um very bad and it's it was i tried to stop so many times rehabs detoxes you name it i tried everything Um, and it was always, whenever I went into these places, they're like, Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. If you, if you use cannabis, you're, you know, you're not clean then. And so I was trying to conform to somebody else's form of recovery all the time. And, and what I realized is that, you know, without the, the plant medicines, there's no way I'm sitting here today. So I've now, um, I'm not currently using cannabis, but psilocybin is like a five, five days on two days off regimen strictly in my life for the last six months and for me it's it's honestly it's been a game changer like i've tried antidepressants like (laughs) pharmaceutical antidepressants and i don't want to i don't want to deter anybody um from them if they're working for them by any means by saying this and i I always just have to say that to be careful but you know i my experience of it is is that i've made me feel like a zombie like you know it shut me down and it was just like i I didn't even couldn't even really function it wasn't i couldn't feel anything it was just like okay i'm just getting through the day i'm just coasting but now um with this regimen that i'm on like you know i i i'm so much more alert and attentive i can focus more because i have adhd and i also have depression and anxiety and the addiction Mm -hmm. and and all of this and it's just crazy because you you know even a few years ago i at least would have never would have believed that things like psilocybin um would have such a profound effect and it's not like people are just doing it. Like there's guys like you and Riley Cote who are really like doing a lot of research. I know. Are you still involved with the Athletes for Care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. still, still part of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a am an ambassador for them as well. Um, yeah. Riley's a friend of the show. I meant to tell you, Matthew Barnaby's a friend of the show. He's been on too, so quite, the, quite, quite the character. But um, oh, yeah um yeah like i just think it's important i my question for you bushy is like how has it been like how's it been like what's the response been uh in the hockey community um and have you kind of gone forward to any major without naming them or whatever like what's what's the response been from players or management or whoever you've spoken with
3: with regards to
1: well, with the psilocybin, with the with the cannabis, I know cannabis is is legalized now. And and last summer, actually, you must be aware that Canada passed the first uh, the law for for palliative care patients to use psilocybin. Psilocybin, yes, um, yeah. yeah. I think it was August fifth of last year, which is the first step. If we look look at history, I mean that's what happened with with cannabis all those years ago. So we're trending in that direction, uh, and I sure hope so. But what's what's the response been like, even from your your friends and family and and people that typically would be like, "Whoa, what you're talking about? What this is? What like?" Because a lot of people have that that reaction. They just like, "What the hell?" You know, because it's so mis. It's been, mis- yeah, it's you know, been right. stigmatized for yeah, years, right? Like, like, since the 40s. and Well,
3: when did Nixon come in government uh, <laughs> before Reagan? So, like, he came in there and, and, and they had a bunch of white papers on non and on back then and uh, the benefits and all the health benefits. And somehow it just kind of got squashed. But um, that was power on politics, maybe. It's a whole other story. Yeah. And then um, I'm just glad now that, you know, there's talk there's there's research coming back out and it's matching what was done way back then can you imagine you know where we'd be today the society if if that plant and psilocybin and, and other natural plant-based medicines were never you know criminalized and put on schedule one where we would be today uh, who knows it doesn't matter uh, we are here today right so let's move forward learn from the past and keep moving and and that's kind of you know, the man- mindset of, I, I'm just thankful that the Canadian government, uh, you know, legalized cannabis, which opened up the doors to talk about psilocybin, you know, cannabis took a, a big hit there. And, and it was funny. I, I remember sparking up my first joint in front of my dad and then my mom and then, you know, my, my, my in-laws and, you know, all, all my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, like they're, they're all, they, they smoked too. But to do it in front of them, they're like, Whoa, you you I'm like, Well, he's smoking cigarettes. And then i ask him if I can. And, and I did. And it, it, it was easy to destigmatize it because I, I just, it made me feel better. It was a better alternative than what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I felt like the way we destigmatize things is just don't make a big deal of it. It's, yeah Yeah, it's psychoactive you have to do it with intention you know if you're going to be lazy you're going to be lazy whether you smoke weed or you drink too much milk is what I believe you know what I mean yeah so just have a purpose and and, uh, keep moving forward
1: what what do your days look like now? Like what what are you doing to to really maintain? You know, are you training, um staying in shape? Are you active? Like what what's your what does your days look like now that you're retired from hockey now versus when you first retired from hockey? Are you and yeah? Way, sorry, are you still uh, doing doing real estate as well? I know you're a real estate. Yeah, director.
3: yeah. So basically, like. Um, <laughs> the lockout in 2000, I never really thought about what I was going to do after hockey. I, you know, you've got one monomaniacal focus on one thing, and that's to play hockey, and that's it. All right? That's kind of our mentality, right? You know that. And um, so it wasn't until the lockout when I signed with the Penguins, uh, I think that was a uh, where once they canceled the season, I was kind of happy that the season was kind of being delayed. I wasn't really anxious to get back because I was getting I had, at that time I had a little girl, and I was I was pretty beat up already. I, I was just kind of riding that I wasn't playing as long as I can, and then they canceled the season in like January. And I'm like, oh mother, oh, that's uh, okay. That hurts. I just lost, you know, thinking to myself because at that point in time, honestly. Brady, I was just playing for the money. I didn't like the game anymore. I was too, too beat up. Yeah. Right. So I was just kind of riding it out. And, uh, when you're not fully engaged and you don't love it, you're going to get hurt. Right. You, you just, you're not going to be your best self either. And, and you're going to hurt yourself. So that ended up happening. So that, but that made me think when they canceled the season, I was like, okay, what am I going to do when, um, I am done, which will probably be in a year because <laughs> I have one more year left in my contract. And so I thought, well, real estate, my dad is in real estate, and I feel like that would be a nice transition. And so I, I, I had my mind kind of made up already what I was going to do when I was still playing hockey near the end. So but I, then I had an opportunity to be an assistant coach for the World and I thought, well, I kind of want to be involved in hockey, but I I, uh, I didn't want to really start there, but I, I kind of want to do my own thing. So I, I, I think I, I had to re reindent myself real quick because I didn't want to live in Guelph when I had a nice place at home in Lake Erie, on Lake Erie, and and then have to, you know, like $25,000 wasn't going to pay pay my bills, right? And, I, and I, I made good money. I made decent money playing in the NHL. Like I played, I don't know, it was six, seven years, not parts of nine seasons, but well, full seasons. And but I didn't make enough money to retire and not work, right? I I got bills to pay, and kids are young, and you know a couple bad investments, and all that kind of stuff, right? So I had I knew I had to work and, and make money to survive and keep what I have. And the best move that I did was just leave the game and reinvent myself as a, as a realtor. My wife and I both got our license, and she's my partner, and she's been she's been amazing. So that was the best decision I made. So that transition was was pretty good. It was just um, what what the baggage that went along with it. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no. For uh, the opioids and yeah. all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's really hell, eh? Like coming coming off of them and and just trying to it it takes it takes everything um you know i always tell people like my addiction was it was a full-time job 24 7 you want to talk about a full-time job uh be addicted to opiates it's all you know you're worried if you don't have any you got to make sure you have them because you know you're going to get you know go through withdrawal and everything else like uh, uh, just to take it back you uh, even further i I should have asked you this before but like at what point in time did you realize that like you were physically dependent on opioids like back and, and and how much longer after that were you playing in the NHL, um, relying on on these painkillers?
0: I was,
3: I was. I was started of taking them regularly in the last few years in um, in Chicago. We started off with the sets and the Vicodins and eventually the Oxycontins, um, the Ambiens asleep sleep at night because you know you're dealing with a lot of time changes too, right? And and they worked really well. And, but you don't really know the long-term effects, and you didn't realize at the time that that's all superficial healing, too, right? So, yeah. um, leaving the game, uh, you know, you're, you're leaving the game. You're 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 not exercising anymore. Like I, I was kind of happy that I didn't feel like I had to work out anymore, right? I yeah. could do what hell I wanted, and and I still continued to kind of eat what I wanted, um, and then I, I just felt like I was, you know, I wasn't. I didn't like the place I was going in, and then. And then what really woke me up was, um, when Bob Prober, he was, he was doing a battle of the blaze blaze in 2010. And I, I had him over at my place for, for supper, for home cooked meal. And Beyond. I wanted to show him the growth, my grow up and it's been in 2010. Um, so I took him down for a, a tour of that place. And I, I kind of wanted him to do the same thing in Windsor. We we're talking about it. You know, I was going to help him out to get his license and, um, he ended up passing away that, uh, that summer, uh, July.
1: 5th, I believe. And
3: then, um, it was just, it was just like a, a, a real awakening. And, um, so I would say that was when I, I, I really like r- realized, like, well, you know, the, the, the effects that those types of things can do to you long term. And, um, so anyways, that's kind of when I really dived into the, the plant based meds.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, Danny actually has told me on, on a couple different occasions how, you know, she she believes that that could have possibly, you know, really helped him, like, with... with he was her-
3: allergic to weed, eh? Like, that's, he was telling me on a way crazy. there, he's like, fuck, man, like, you know I'm allergic to weed. I'm like, no, I don't know you're allergic to weed, but, you know, try it anyways. <laughs> and uh, so we get there, and I give him a tour, and he grabs the bud, and he's looking at it and smelling it, and start sneezing, and his eyes start watering. He he throws the fucking butt away, yeah, so that was the end of that. Yeah. But they didn't have the oils then, right? Like yeah. I, 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 yeah, you know, they didn't. There's so much I could have been done. I, I just wish it was we were a little bit more advanced at that time. But
1: well, uh, you know what though, you're you're using it now. Is you know, it was your real kind of kick in the ass to get going in the right direction. And and think about how many people you've probably already helped and. All the people, once things really get get going and, and, you know, the people start to, the right people start to wake up uh, and realize um, that, you know, this needs to be an option. It doesn't need to be for everybody, but it needs to be an option and it needs to be accessible um, to players. Like, you know, I just think about even the, the, I don't know if you saw the problem of pain documentary with, you know, Ryan Kessler and Kyle Quincy and and those guys with Toradol and the problem with Toradol and, how, yeah. you know, and now they're having, you know, stomach issues and, um you know, here, just take this and get back on the ice, take this, get back on the ice. And, you know, Oxy's obviously Bougard and and, and Proby yeah. too, and, and, and so many others that, you know, struggled over the years, and it's like, you know, there's other healthier alternatives out there. And if we really care about the well-being of the players, um, especially at the professional level, it's like, why wouldn't we look to alternative options that are safer and, and potentially more beneficial um, to actually help deal with whatever it is they may be going through, whether it be mental illness or or some pain or or both or you know, just having that, that other option available. Like um, when when you were, when you were playing and and we can wrap it up soon, I know you probably got to get going, but uh, when you were playing though, like, was it ever a thought to be like, you know, maybe I'll get a second opinion on this or was it just the team? we trust the team doctors, at least we did. um, And there was no, I never ever had an in anywhere, whether it be in junior or minor pro, like I never, um, thought to be like, you know, maybe when the doctor gave me a a prescription for Oxycontin, it was like, maybe, maybe I should research this. Maybe I should ask questions. Maybe I should. I I didn't. Right. And I just.
3: No, we trusted them though. Right. Like they're, they're, they're superior to us as far as, you know, when it comes to health, right. They're the doctors. They know best. Well, they know their way of the way that they were trained. right. Um, a lot of doctors aren't open to even CBD. My family doctor, who I got to switch, uh, I, I have my original doctor that birthed me uh, passed away, or sorry, he retired. Uh, then I have a new doctor that doesn't believe in plant-based medicines. And I'm like, how could you not believe in plant-based medicine or even look at it? You know what I mean? She wants to prescribe me everything that's not plant-based, all synthetic things. I really do believe microdosing treatments have the potential to help how so many people dealing with any trauma and anxiety, depression, headaches and any ongoing general pain. I, I it's it's just another option. That's all all we're asking, right? So it's slowly happening. Um, and people like you and and uh, other advocates from athletes for care and around um are
1: just got to keep on keep it on yeah D, my i've become very close with DMac over the past year um calls me his little brother uh he's doing he's been on the show like three or four times and i've been on his a couple times and he's doing some some good work down there across the border as well um you know so there's you know i feel like the hockey community is kind of waking up and i know there's there's others um some guys that people don't really want to hear from some that you know kind of almost been blackballed because of it without saying any names and, and giving a bad name and um i, I just you know it's blackballed kind of, for what well I, I just feel like you know dan carcillo has kind of been blackballed for, for for some of the stuff that he's done um you know at least through people that i've talked to just with them their their attitude towards him they think he's crazy because he spoke out and um, just about this and, and going to look for alternative healings, whether it be on, you know, an ayahuasca journey or whatever, yeah. um, plant-based medicines. And, and when he first came out with it, I just, and I've talked to people and I've had, I actually had people when I first started my podcast, like some people close to me that really know nothing, um, <laughs> to be honest, they were like, make sure you never have Daniel Carcillo on your podcast. Cause he's dangerous. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and I was like, and I haven't had him on, but not because of that. But I would love to have him on. But it's just that's the that is the mentality of some people is they're so regimented in these old ways of thinking that anything outside of the norm is not okay. But here, let's take, you know, morphine or oxys or. Vicodin whatever or all these antidepressants that's okay and it's, right. and it's just it's crazy to me that people are still not willing to at least just have a conversation and be open about it like you know that's right yeah well it's happening so well I, I hope it happens I hope so, it happens and,
3: and we keep right? on talking about it and we're not going to stop talking about it until it's an option right so yeah that's just what we got to do
1: absolutely man so so what else what else you got coming down the pipe what what can we expect from from ryan vandenbush you got yeah you got, i know you have some things kind of working on maybe you don't want to talk about but you're not going nowhere mm-hmm. with this stuff are you you can talk about you can ask anything you want buddy i am. so well, good well i i actually met one of your business partners I, i'm not allowed to name him because uh, he asked me not to but he actually <laughs> unbelievably um as you know i believe paid for my teeth or part of him and another guy and um, you know so that was that was what an amazing guy he is if you talk to him please send him my best um and just let him know because I, I don't even have his number i know i could think i could get a hold of him through somebody else but um that was oh uh, that- he's a,
3: such a good man johnny morgan captain the fire department he is a keeper and just a dear-hearted guy
1: unbelievable and, uh, man like i couldn't even believe he's that. a
3: director of, of, of business development and uh talk about a giver
1: i i couldn't believe yeah. it i never met the guy in my life and i get a phone call from my friend rob mcdougall he's an artist did rock em, sock'em covers and stuff and he's like so he's like uh i think i can uh i think i can get your teeth taken care of i got i got a, a anonymous donor type deal and i'm like what? Like, are you kidding? I'm like, I can't accept that. He's like, well, yeah. He's like, he wants to do it. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I feel horrible. He's like, no, you you know, he's like, well, listen, he's like, you can either find a dentist, um, around you, or you can come down here to Oakville, um, and and see my dentist. This was Rob. And I was like, and I thought about it for about five minutes after he called him back. I was like, listen, I said, I'll come down there. Um, because if you're actually going all, and I could not at the time and still probably couldn't to this day afford to get my teeth fixed. There's just no way I lost them playing hockey The league didn't yeah. want to do anything about it and get this, the league where I lost them, I'm not going to out them right now, but people know where I lost them. And they kind of know this story, but they legitimately, like I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, this is what's happening. Like, and they totally screwed up. The dentist left early. If he didn't leave early, they would have been able to put them back and they would have taken, cause it's my roots and everything. And, and they're like, And and they're like, yeah, keep us updated, send us all this information. And I like send them all the information, even though like, you know, these other two people were, were helping me out. And and finally they see me, they're following me on on social media. The day that I got my teeth. The day that I got my teeth and they knew they were paid for and everything else, I get an email from uh, one of the people from the league in the office saying, oh, yeah, so we're ready to help you with your teeth now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are, you kidding? are you kidding me right now? I couldn't believe it.
3: Yeah, well, that's uh, speak the truth, man. Like, uh, that's a, the that's a shit that's got to stop. Um, you know, I, I think. I don't know about the Western Hockey League, but uh, (laughs) I know the OHL does not have a liaison to... Oh, maybe they do now. They didn't when I was playing, so I'm kind of out of the hockey loop now, but um, maybe they do have a liaison for players there's no union there, right? So who do they go to if they have any mental health issues? Is that's there right. some contact that's not attached to the um, owners type thing? You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. no reason, nobody's gonna do it if there's a contact to the owners. So like um, in the NHL or the American Hockey League or the CHL, when I playing out, I don't recall any information package saying that if you go into any mental health issues, this is the person you can talk to. But that should come from the players' association. Yeah. So they're not tied to the team, right? Yeah um, So I don't know if that's happening, but I, I think that's one of the things that, I, that that I think can be worked on within the, within the league starting from the top right And I'm sure there is already. Um, but people just have to be more aware of it, I think, and not be afraid to reach out and they' call and talk like one thing I did like about Chicago Blackhawks actually, we did have a guy that would come and talk to us once in a while and if you wanted to talk to him, um, you just had to ask. And I remember asking him, I would go out for breakfast with him once in a while or, 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 lunch after pregame skate or just any practice. And, and he was just a great guy to talk to. And one of the, one piece of advice that he gave me was, Brian, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, just slow it down and just keep focused and know where you're going. And don't be that guy that's constantly trying to pass the car on the road, you know, and in and out of the traffic. And then all of a sudden, you get to the stop sign and it turns red, and you got to stop. You slam your brakes. Be the guy that just kind of sees what's going on from way back and just know where you're going, and just keep that path and just keep moving forward. Doesn't matter how fast you go, right? Just, just you'll know you're going to get there because you see, you know where you're going right so that's good advice but I, a lot of other little things it. right
1: i love i love it that's that's a, that's unbelievable advice and cuz i i identify with that i'm like a ping pong ball trying to just bounce everywhere get wherever i got to go as quick as i can here there there <laughs> boom boom yeah. on boom, boom,
3: boom, boom. the same way so i sometimes i got to say that again to remind <laughs> myself
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding eh? no kidding um that's that's too funny but i think i think in the western hockey league um, and, and throughout the CHL, I believe they all, they have liaisons through, um, an association that I'm not going to name, but, um, from my research, cause I've, I've done a lot of talking to players at different levels in the last, you know, 15 months through what I'm doing with puck support, the foundation, this foundation I started and just doing, you know, un- unfortunately uncovering a lot of deaths, some that, you know, we never hear about cause they didn't make it to the NHL, uh, overdoses and suicides and, um, and from my, my research through talking to current, you know, junior players is that, you know, there isn't a a ton of support there for them. Like they may have them, but they're not necessarily easily accessible, nor do the players feel, um, you know, comfortable enough to reach reach out, reach out to them. And that's, you know, that's, it's, it's terribly sad because I think that there's without question Numerous guys playing major junior right now that, you know, probably need that support, whether it be for being homesickness or whatever. I know I was one of them uh, dealing with terrible mental health issues while I was playing in the Western League. And um, yeah, just uh, just tough and uh, just trying to somehow empower these individuals to actually. You know, get the courage to come forward and, and say if they want to, if they need help. It's it's just one of these things. I say, you know, when you have a broken hand, you have a cast. It's it's easy to show people. Say, hey, I'm hurt. But you go in there and your, you know, your head's you know, messed up or your heart hurts or whatever it is, however you want to describe it. It's it's a little bit different. You can't physically see it. Um, you know I got labeled when I when I try to tell people I was going through stuff the team was like started bullying me and and you know hazing me what do you mean there's theres
3: there, you had teammates that would bully you because oh you,
1: my god buddy I got I had you to went take, home for yeah. personal reasons. yep I came back my nickname was baby and they they, Holy, they would douse, me crazy. In, douse me douse me and bleach in the shower with mops and oh yeah man oh yeah it was bad
3: oh that that's that's absolutely horrendous. I yeah. never I, thought I, that was going on. Yeah, I, 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 you, those those should be your brothers, man. That's not
1: right. That's right, and that's that's a big reason why I'm trying to just try. And I know there's other a lot of great organizations trying to do the same thing. But you know, sharing these stories and, and trying to teach these these kids whether they're coming into junior or they're in junior to like we talked about, be more like Gretzky. You know what I mean? Like be that yeah. be that. Regardless, just be there for your teammates because you never know what's going on with. With teammates, we've had you know junior players um, take their own life. Another one recently that I can't officially name, but he did. That it's been released that he passed away, but the details haven't been released. But I've been uh, I've been contacted and and made aware of it. But um, just the uh, on Sunday, uh, another eighteen year old uh, OHL prospect. So it's uh, yeah, it's tough, man. There's these yeah, these things are happening uh, in the last bushy in the last five months. There's about, I think, six or seven uh, guys that either, you know, are, are currently at the junior age or guys that had played junior in their 20s or 30s now that have either died from suicide or overdose, like six or seven, just in the last four or five months that I've uncovered. Um, never mind. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's How come it's, we're not hearing about this? That's this terrible. That's, that's that's right, man. And uh, I that's what we do here. Or maybe today. I'm living under a rock, but I, I don't... Uh, no, there's not there's sure. not a whole lot about it. And that's that's a big part of my mission is making sure that they're all remembered. Um all of our yeah. all of our merchandise here, like at Puck Support, like um in my hat, you're not on video anymore, but like in the inside of the hat, it says this one says like Steve Montador, nineteen seventy-nine to twenty fifteen. And I have my red one says Bob Probert, nineteen sixty-five to twenty ten. In the shirts, like on the inside of the shirt, we'll put a name, whether it be an NHL guy or or a guy that there's like thirty or thirty-five people in our database now two females and like Ripon and Bugard, but Terry Trafford, all these uh, guys, John Cordick. Um, and, and that's how we honor them. Um and, you know, it's, uh, uh, the families have been so supportive and I just, my heart goes out to a lot of them listen to the show um, now and, you know, my heart goes out to all of them. It's uh, these issues, something needs to be done. And, there, there's things that we can continue to do, like having these conversations about alternative medicines and, and ending the stigma and, and empowering people to get the support that they need, man. So, um, uh, you know, I'll, I think we can wrap, wrap it up, but maybe uh, down the road, we'll, we'll try again, get you back on video uh, in a few months or, or whatever, if you ever have anything going on. Uh, Let me know but I'll I'll keep you up to date with with the rollerblade and uh, yeah, and everything and and hopefully we can cross paths one of these days maybe at the the Bob Probert ride or wherever it may be because uh, It's been a long time and I just before I let you go want to say thank you again um, for that for you know treating me like that as a as a young boy because it's it's still one of those things that I I've just never forgotten and you know, I instantly became one of your biggest fans and uh, still am. So thanks, man.
3: Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Brady, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And good luck. May 28, 2022, he so says, when you're starting your rollerblade across Canada.
1: Right. That's right. With with Terry Ryan out in Newfoundland. Okay. I love PR. I, I, I hung out
3: with him in Newfoundland uh, one night. and it was, he's a good guy. So that's awesome. You're good hand. And then once you get closer to Ontario, let me know. I will for sure. But we'll be man. talking way before then.
1: Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay. A, keep up the good work. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thanks. Ciao. Bye-bye. Alright, guys. That's Ryan Vandenbush. If you're watching live, thanks for sticking with us through some of the glitches. I truly appreciate it. Congratulations to Will McIntyre. We'll get that hat out. You're cleaning up here on Hockey to Hell and Back. Um, thank you to everybody watching. Sorry I didn't get to all the comments. Um, some of them I don't think are coming through. I looked at YouTube and Um, this program that I'm using is acting up. It may be time to switch to a new one. Thank you again to Ryan Vandenbush. We'll make sure we clean up the audio uh, for the, the people who download it. If you do download it, listen to it on audio, please take the time if you can rate and review. If you're watching on Facebook, if you don't mind heading over to YouTube and subscribing to the hockey to hell and back YouTube channel, Eventually, we would like to just be on YouTube, but yours truly has no idea how to grow a YouTube channel, and we get a lot more views when we do it on Facebook. So for now, we will be on Facebook, but if you don't mind heading over to the Hockey to Hell and Back Facebook YouTube page, let's try that again, uh, and hitting that subscribe button, that like button, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with your friends. Tell your friends about it. Tell them what we're doing about here with Puck Support. And, and just thank you to everybody for your support. Shout out to everybody that's ordered from Puck Support in this past week. It's been crazy. Uh, but that's what we want. We, we want to get the message out there. It's extremely important to for me to make sure that we're honoring these individuals. For me, that's the biggest part about all of this. Is honoring those that we've lost. I'm gonna to continue to train my butt off. Hopefully, get up to 100k a day here soon. If you want to come out and rollerblade with me or hit the sports court, please do. Hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. On Instagram, it's at Mental Health Hockey is my personal account. Make sure you follow us too. At Puck Support everywhere, Instagram. Facebook, even Twitter. I am known to throw out a tweet now and then. Still don't really know how to grow a social media page either. But things are looking up. We have a company, a group that is taking that over. (laughs) Uh Let there be light. We had a great meeting yesterday with True Hockey again. Incredible people. Thank you to everybody at True. Without naming names, you guys know who you are. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks again to the guys at Sonic. Check them out. Sonicsports.com. Sp- SonicsportsLA on Instagram. If you live in Canada and you need some new bearings or things to clean your bearings, hit up my boys at Bsharp.com. Ottawa at B Sharp Ottawa on Instagram, where you can Google their website. Remind you guys again that there's a sale going on pucksupport.com. Promo code never forget, it's gonna get you 15% off. Shout out to Dean Smeal, Kaya Smeal for watching, Kaya be reaching out to you I promise my bad it's been crazy i my my memory is like a goldfish you guys have to understand that it's like five seconds and I forget trying to get better writing stuff down I guess that's it guys it's time to wrap it up I think I have the guests narrowed down for Sunday but I don't want to announce it yet but I do have next Wednesday's guest lined up. Sean Venedam, former pro hockey player who suffered a terrible leg break and had to have his leg amputated. He's the, one of the owners of 400 Source for Sports. He's a friend with my friend Sean Horswell. Shout out to Sean Horswell if you're listening. While well, I'm here, shout out to Bob Ness, my guy up there near Ottawa. Hey, Bob. Probably listening to it after the fact in the morning. Thank you for all your support. But Sean Venadam, going to join the show one week from today. Same bat time, same bat channel. That was my favorite show, the 60s Batman. Also lined up, Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators will be joining the show in the very near future. And get this. Ryan Johansson is also a true guy. So my friends at True Hockey are going to supply Ryan with a couple of sticks to sign so we can give away some True Hockey sticks right here on Hockey to Hell and Back. Stay tuned for that. That's not one you're going to want to miss. Give away a couple of True sticks. Signed. Bye, Ryan Johansson. Thank you to Ryan for, for agreeing to come on the show months ago once the season was over. And when we when True found out that he was coming on the show, they're like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Let's, let's do something here. Let's, let's blow this up a little bit. So I'm really looking forward to that. Ryan and I are from the same area. He's from Port Moody. I'm from Port Coquitlam. Part of the Tri-Cities, Port Coquitlam, Coquitlam, Port Moody makes up the Tri-Cities all within five minutes of each other. Star in the National Hockey League, got him coming on the show to give away a couple of signed true hockey sticks. We're going to promote it, make sure that you guys know about it. We'll keep you up to date. Anyways, guys, that's enough talking for me. If I don't shut up, I'll never stop. Hello to my family back there in BC. Dad, love you. Mom, love you. Brooklyn and Brody, I love you to pieces. So much, I'll never, ever, ever give up. I know things are difficult right now just with certain things. Obviously with what I've done in my past has played a huge impact on your life, but I'll never give up trying. I'll never give up trying. reach out anytime anyways guys that's it time to wrap it up thank you all for watching thank you all for listening please share it with your friends if you liked it if you didn't don't bother you heard it from Ryan Vandenbush it does not cost anything to be kind so be kind be grateful and remember have a great day if you so choose hockey to hell and back is brought to you by
0: pride tape pride tape is a badge of support from teammates coaches parents and pros to young lgbtq players it shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team show your support for teammates coaches and fans in the lgbtq community by wrapping your stick with pride tape every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on Facebook.com slash Pride Tape, on Twitter at Pride Tape, and at Pride Tape on Instagram. Pride tape thanks all of you for being champions for change.
1: I'm grateful, oh yeah,
0: able, oh yeah, I'm
1: stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me, I have only a path, I'm lonely.